Hey, welcome back to This One's a Doozy. I'm Kevin. And I'm Haley. And we talk about stories of mystery, true crime, and folklore of the unusual, unsettling, and oftentimes unsavory goings on of our world today, yesterday, and long ago. Boom. And here we are. Yep. Here we are. Monday episode. I know. It's exciting. Big supplies. Big supplies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I just threw myself off just by thinking about uh, bubble guppies. <laughs> <laughs> Supplies. Anyway. Yep. Oh my goodness. Uh, that show is very cute. It is. It's it's a cute, fun show. I haven't that... watched it in forever though, because our littlest doesn't care about it. He's not interested. But our middle was like super into it. Yes. But now that one's too old. Or I know. Believes that they are too old to watch it. So yeah. The mystery <sighs> persists. Unfortunately. Maybe yes. maybe the youngest will come come back around. This is a white hot relevant opening. I know. I know. It really is. Parenting tactics, really. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. We just isolated like a massive portion of our listeners. For 30 seconds. It's fine. They're fine. uh, Weigh in in the comments. Are you guys doing okay? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, Mm. my love, what are you drinking? You know what? I had zero creativity left in me. So I literally just filled up my cup with water. My uh, little Starbucks glow in the dark cup. You're just you're just hydrating. I'm just being a responsible adult. You got to hydrate or hydrate. Hydrate that's, or hydrate. That's what I always say. Sometimes said that once. I said that. I say that every summer, <laughs> a handful of times. <laughs> well, what do you have? I have a concoction that you made for me. Mm. Uh, that is made with cran watermelon juice. Mm-hmm. cranberry watermelon juice that cran is short for cranberry yes thank you for clarifying yes. and the all-important vodka yes and that is it nice how, how does it simple. taste it's uh, very refreshing because like the vodka cranberries are really refreshing this yeah. one has like an added yeah With layer watermelon. of refreshment yeah. yeah speaking of summer and being hydrated yeah this is a great wouldn't hydrate you but it's <laughs> but your hot girl summer hydration this drink would be a great hot girl summer Hydration yeah. drink. Look at oh, you my go. Goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh, you have a uh, feel good fact for us today? Yeah, it's not really like heartwarming, but it is funny. Oh, so. okay. So it'll make us feel good in a different way than usual. Yes. I'm fine with that. Good. Okay. So if you splice together all of the moments of intense staring from all of the Twilight movies, you would have exactly 26 <laughs> minutes of intense silence for your viewing pleasure. <laughs> You know somebody's turned that into a YouTube video, oh, video yeah. already. Oh, yeah. There's got to be a compilation for that. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, wow. Lots 26, of stares. 26 minutes out of, what, eight hours of probably movies? something like give that. Give or take? That's oh, a probably significant that. chunk. But Nine yeah, even hours? still, even still, that is an impressive amount that of is, silent staring. Yeah. <laughs> That's That's minimum. Minimum, like 15% of the fullness of all the movies. I would like to just call it dedication to craft. (laughs) It's an art form, really. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that one made me laugh super hard. And I was like, even though this isn't heartwarming, it is funny. So it's like a different way to feel good. Yes. Well, and I I have a feeling most listeners to this podcast have seen twilight at least or have strong opinions about it (laughs) (laughs) one way or the other yes i know exactly what exactly what moments those are (laughs) rats unite oh wow Mm. okay well the twilight ratties get it 
hey, I get it. And I'm not one of those. I've only seen the movies like twice <laughs> with you. So, <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, you got a story for us today? Yes. So it's been a minute since we've talked about a cryptid. So this week we're talking about a cryptidy monster mm-hmm. event. Oh, good. In the autumn of 1903, in the small but up-and-coming town of Van Meter, Iowa, a mysterious creature terrorized residents for almost an entire week. The creature was seen by multiple witnesses over the span of five days. And though we still don't have an explanation for the sightings to this day, the creature has remained a mystifying and integral part of the history of Van Meter, Iowa. Today, we're talking about the Van Meter Visitor. Hang on, Kev. This one's a doozy. Wow. And that is not far from us. No, it's not. I mean, Van Meter's two hours, maybe? Maybe, yeah. So I've driven driven through many times, so that's really interesting to me. Yeah. So let's start by talking about how Van Meter came to be and how it was at the time of today's story. So before the land where Iowa sits was inhabited by settlers, Native Americans from the Sac and Fox tribes were thriving in the area. Hmm. They built ornate, bark-covered huts along the river. They had rich land that they cultivated and farmed, and the hunting was never scarce. When they were forced off land and out west in the 1840s, settlers swooped in and took advantage of the vast land and began to settle it. Mm -hmm. The first two white settlers to stake a claim on the land were brothers Daniel and Louis Stump, and that was in 1845. They built a modest cabin on the land and were soon joined by another pair of brothers, Levi and James Wright, who also built a cabin. From there, more pioneers entered the area and cleared out spots along the Raccoon River for housing and farmland, and soon enough, a community was beginning to form. So it's located about 20 miles east of Des Moines. Yeah. So Van Meter was named after one of the earliest settlers in the town and was officially established in 1868. A church was built as well as other staple fixtures around this time. So Van Meter also became a stop along the Chicago, Rock Island, and Pacific Railway, which brought in even more new settlers. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's kind of like a hopping little place to be. Yeah. In 1878, a coal mine was established, which brought in another influx of settlers. And so with this new feature, more jobs were created and the town was bustling, growing to roughly 1,000 residents by 1902. At this time, there was a brickworks, a flour mill, a tile manufacturing business, and a bunch of farmers. Wow. However, around this same time, the coal mine workers went on strike to protest unfair wages and unsafe working conditions in the mines. Hmm. In a totally unexpected move, the owners of the coal mine decided to close up the operation for good after not having any luck replacing the workers who were on strike. Which is Hmm. very strange. They decided this is, okay, fine. We're We're not not going to pay pay you fairly. We're not going to improve safety. We're just going to close. So, okay. So they shuttered off the mine and trudged forward. So I wouldn't really bother sharing all of this, but the mine does come into play again later. Mm, Okay. So let's fast forward to the night of September 29th, 1903. Ulysses Griffiths, a 35-year-old staple in the community, would become the first person to witness something unusual in Van Meter. Ulysses was... I mean, on the board of whatever in town, he was also part of two clubs, Mm -hmm. the Masonic Lodge and the Modern Woodman. Um, He operated a seed and vehicle business with his brother and had established a reputation for being of high character, trustworthy, thoughtful, and an irreplaceable member of the community. So, Hmm. like, important. Yeah, yeah. 
So on September 29th, Ulysses was out late completing deliveries to residents both in Van Meter and in surrounding areas, which was a pretty normal thing for him to do with his business. Got it. Yeah. Because he had to make deliveries out of town in the hours leading up to this point, he was very late getting back in. Around 1 a.m., Ulysses finally arrived back in Van Meter. It was a cool autumn night and the streets were empty. Ulysses was looking forward to some well-earned rest after his busy night, and so he headed towards his home, taking his usual route. As he passed through town, he noticed something extremely odd on the top of one of the buildings. A light where there hadn't been one before. Hmm. As he got closer to the building and to the strange light, he tried to figure out what it was. His initial fear was that it was a burglar. As he continued to approach the light, out of nowhere, the light swiftly moved across the street and on top of another building. Oh, weird. It was like way too far of a gap for a person to be able to cross like that, obviously. Mm -hmm. But this only served to like scare Ulysses more. Right. Like what could even do that? Yeah. And this is, what year did you say this was again? 1903. Okay. So this is before light bulbs, really any, any electricity. So I'm not sure how like widespread the usage of light bulbs were, but they mm -hmm. were a thing at that time. Oh, okay. okay. So there could have been electric lights, but it was just on the top of the building. Yeah. In a very odd spot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then obviously made a quick jump. Oh, um, yes. Which that, that probably regardless of <laughs> electricity and capabilities with light bulbs at the time. Right. Like whatever it was. Be happening. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, whatever it yeah. was, it either made a really impressive jump mm -hmm. or it flew. Across okay. the gap. Yeah. So for several tense, silent moments, Ulysses stared at the unmoving light that remained just as still, as though it was watching him right back. Within a matter of seconds, the light disappeared altogether. So what had Ulysses just seen? After finally arriving at his home, he climbed into bed and had a restless, unsettled night of sleep, unaware that what he'd just seen was only the beginning of a series of bizarre events. When Ulysses's <laughs> it's fun to say. <laughs> Ulysses's odd sighting was covered in the newspaper. The town was not yet like afraid or concerned about anything mm -hmm. at this point because they believed him and they they trusted. I mean, they, they just trusted that he wouldn't make something up. Yeah. So by the time night rolled around and the early morning hours of the 30th rolled in, more stuff was about to unfold. Mm. So the town doctor, Dr. Alcott, was fast asleep in his bed. When suddenly, right around 1 a.m., a bright light woke the doctor from his sleep. Immediately, he was awake and reaching for his, quote, gun of immense proportions, end quote. Oh, gun of immense proportions. <laughs> yeah. Which, like, which, I mean, back then was, you know, like a pea shooter, but. <laughs> no way, <kidding>. dude. <laughs> this is not like the 1400s, Kevin. <laughs> a slingshot. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So he reached for his gun of immense proportions, not fully able to wrap his mind around what could produce such a bright light. Mm -hmm. Ready to defend himself, fearing that it was a burglar or someone else with more nefarious intentions, Dr. Alcott rushed outside with his gun in hand. Instead of being met with a person, Dr. Alcott discovered something much more horrifying behind the light. Dr. Alcott described a half-human, half-animal creature with great bat-like wings. Oh. Yeah. He said it was like really what? too tall to be a human, uh -huh. but definitely humanoid in form. Okay. With great bat-like wings. 
Mm. It's going to keep getting a little creepier. Okay. So as Dr. Alcott tried to process what he was looking at, he could vaguely make out the silhouette behind the light. So like the thing, yeah. the thing is like backlit by a light. Oh, by another light. Okay. By one, by a singular light. There's not multiple lights. There's oh, one. Oh, oh, oh. I thought he, okay. It's okay. backlit by the light that seems to be coming from the creature. Ooh. So Ominous. he also made out another very baffling feature, a large horn protruding from the middle of its head. And it seemed as if the light was emanating from the horn itself, mm. Th- which is like such a creepy visual. Yes, it is. Like a lot of artistic renditions make it look like something out of a sci-fi movie for sure. Like yeah. basically a pterodactyl with a horn <laughs> that lights up. Yeah. Wow. Very alieny. So thinking on his feet, Dr. Alcott took five shots at the beast, striking it each time. But it seemed as though the creature was totally unfazed by the gunshots. Mm. With only one round left in his gun, Dr. Alcott took off into his home where he hid in his office. And that's where he remained until the first hints of sunrise poured in through his office window. That morning, the good doctor, who everybody loved, went around town telling residents about his horrifying encounter with the bizarre creature. Quickly, the townspeople put two and two together. Piecing together the stories from Ulysses Griffith and mm-hmm. Dr. Alcott, the mm-hmm. small town was quickly abuzz with hushed whispers of a great and terrifying beast stalking the town. Ooh. Everyone, though they were in awe and were all pretty confused about the two stories from the respectable men, they all seemed to believe them. Yeah. And each person wondered in hushed tones if they would be the next person to meet the beast face to face. So like put yourself in that spot. Oh gosh. I I feel like at that point, most people would just say, okay, don't go outside after dark. Uh, um, Scary. Major curfew. And, yeah, but Dr. Alcott was in his bed. Yeah, that's true. Which is super Super creepy. Yeah. Oh. And Ulysses was in his car, you know? Yeah. So just saying. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. So, this is definitely <laughs> the image here is like eerie at like that's and that's the lightest that I could think of. Mm-hmm. There's obviously a lot like you could go darker and heavier, but I feel like right now at this stage in the story, mm-hmm. it's it's eerie. Yeah. And let's we'll go from there. And I'm sure it's going to just get crazier and tread into spookier and spookier waters. Yes, you would be correct. So in the early morning hours of October 1st, 1903, a man by the name of Clarence Dunn, or Peter, as his friends called him, was out walking the streets of Van Meter with a dull glow from the moon keeping him company as every shadow cast around served only to heighten his awareness and nerves as he strolled. Peter was another super well-loved member of the community where he worked as a cashier at the Van Meter Bank. In the decades to come, Peter would be promoted to manager of the bank and would even serve as the mayor of Van Meter. But tonight, he was just a regular man on a mission. Convinced that what Ulysses Griffith and Dr. Alcott had seen was in fact a burglar, Peter took it upon himself to go and protect the bank with his life. Which I would always... I'd. Hmm. He sounds like a nice guy, but I'm just going to always advise against that. Yes, that seems this like... This is why we have insurance, guys. Maybe the uh, maybe not not the wisest move. I mean, did they have insurance on Kevin, Creatures <laughs> of the Night in 1903? Well, destruction of property, I'm sure oh, they did. Maybe. I don't know. But, if, but by, <laughs> by a humanoid bat-like creature with a horn? 
Mm-hmm. I don't That's know. A good I question. could see the insurance agent being like, "Ah, sorry, not covered for that." For that one, You're telling me a dude with bat <laughs> wings and a glow in the dark horn broke your bank. <laughs> so he brought with him his trusty shotgun, locked and loaded with buckshot. Much like the two previous nights, around 1 a.m., Peter would have an encounter of his own. Just mm. after the clock struck one, the silence of the night was broken by a bizarre noise that Peter explained as, quote, something strangling, end quote. Mm. Like it was like a gasp, gaggy kind of noise. The muddled gasps for air would quickly be joined by a bright light that shone directly on him through the front window of the bank, shining so brightly that Peter felt as though he'd been blinded. Mm. And it was like immediate, all of a sudden a super bright light. For a split second, like the light wasn't shining on him, so he had an opportunity to kind of move around. During this time, he snuck through the room and tried to get a look at the source of the light. As his eyes returned to full vision, he saw a quote, great form of some kind, Mm. end quote. So as this light kind of scanned around the room, like almost like in a movie where you see like a flashlight scanning, it suddenly snapped back in his direction and illuminated him completely. Peter took a deep breath, steadied his shotgun, and fired it at the creature at point-blank range, shattering the glass of the front window in the process. Wow. And just as quickly as the light appeared, it disappeared into the night, leaving Peter to sit in shock and horror until dawn arrived. Just like totally frozen in place. Wow. By his experience. Yes. So the following morning, Peter looked around for the creature. He'd shot it at point blank range with a shotgun. Mm -hmm. So surely it should have been dead from its wounds. But he couldn't find the creature or so much as a drop of blood. Wow. What he did find, however, was a series of three-toed tracks that he actually took castings of. Oh, really? Yeah. So he was like thinking on his feet. Mm -hmm. Though the rest of the day was sunny and full of distractions, such as the first game of the World Series between the Boston Americans and the Pittsburgh Pirates, which is super fascinating, (laughs) citizens of Van Meter wondered if tonight would bring more terror at the hands of this mysterious creature. As night rolled around, a gentle rainstorm blew in. All was quiet in Van Meter until the silence was once again broken by a sudden sharp rasping noise. Mm. Otto White, the co-owner of the local Fisher and White hardware store, lived, he lived above the store mm-hmm. and was awakened by the strange noise. He looked out his open window and saw a softly falling rain and looked into the darkness for the source of the disturbing noise. Finally, he spotted it. A dark figure perched on top of a telephone pole across the street. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, wow. Maybe like owl-like. Yeah. Quickly, he grabbed his gun. His home was on the second story of the building, and the telephone pole was only 15 feet outside of his window. So he had a great vantage point to both see the creature and to be able to take a shot at it. Hmm. He fired one shot at the figure, who at this point remained completely still on top of the pole, when suddenly the light from the creature was shining directly at him. So one Mm. minute it's still, next minute, boom, lights on him. He believed that it had been sleeping on the pole and that his gunshot only served to wake the creature up from its sleep and nothing else. It didn't fall. It didn't cry out. Nothing. Very weird. Heart pounding in his chest, Otto was struck with a foul, powerful odor, which he believed was being emitted from the monster. A smell so strong that it seemed to stupefy him. Mm. And from that point forward, he couldn't recall a single moment for the rest of the night. Oh, weird. As soon as the shot from Otto's gun was fired, another Van Meter resident 
Sidney Gregg woke up from his sleep and rushed towards the front door to see what was going on outside. So Sidney had a different point of view of the creature. He saw it there on the telephone pole, just as Otto had, but he was across the corner from Otto's apartment. Okay. So he's basically seeing it from the opposite angle. Yeah. yeah. As he watched the creature, Sidney was horrified as he saw it descend from the pole using its beak, almost like to hook itself in and climb down. When it landed on the ground, the creature stood upright, standing roughly eight feet tall, according to Sydney. Just like some of the other accounts, the light coming from the creature seemed to be scanning the area, almost as though it was searching for something. Sydney also smelled a terrible odor and felt like he was in a dreamlike state, but he did manage to remember at least some of what happened next. Mm -hmm. As the light from the creature was scanning around, it suddenly stopped and began flapping its large, Featherless wings. Okay. As it was flapping its wings, it began doing these giant hops that Sydney compared to kangaroo hops and started bounding towards him. And Sydney's just standing there totally dazed. Oh, gosh. I just have goosebumps. I know. That's like horrifying. It's like raining and it's Uh dark and there's just like a little bit of light from the moon. And suddenly an eight foot tall monster is kangaroo hopping towards Uh you. Oh, wow. And he's standing there still dazed from the mystery odor. Yeah. So when the creature was only 10 to 15 feet away from him, a train blasted into town. Sydney assumed that the unfamiliar noise and sight of the train startled the creature because then it paused, crouched into kind of like a Mm -hmm. spring-loaded crouch Mm -hmm. before it took off running on all fours toward the coal mine. After a few seconds of running, it gracefully took off in flight and flew off in the same direction. Wow. So that's like a whole thing. Yes. I feel like I've seen that in a movie. Yes. There's a lot happening here. So I feel like this is a good chance now that you brought up the the mine again to backtrack to that. Sure. Because, I mean, they they shut that thing down because they just didn't want to spend more money on workers. Right. But I wonder if that's not really why. I wonder if they... Kevin. Found something and like conspiracy. Yes. Well, it makes me think of they opened a portal. <laughs> yeah. Or or like I'm afraid I'm going to give a, a a spoiler. So if you've not seen the Netflix show Midnight Mass, skip ahead like okay. 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you're visualizing. But it makes me think of yeah when he runs into that cave. Yeah. And he, and he sees that creature and it's like like it's just been uncovered accidentally. Yeah. After you know, however many hundreds of years. Right. I wonder if it's one of those sorts of things where they found this, they go, whoa, this thing's crazy. Let's just shut this down and leave it alone. Right. And that's kind of what's been going on. So I'm very curious if that has more to do with it. Yeah. That's a really good thought. Okay. Well, let's, let's keep on moving. We'll see how good of a thought it is. Proud of you. (laughs) So by October 2nd, Van Meter citizens were all very well aware that an unknown monster had been seen several nights in a row by prominent and well-respected members of the community. The whole town was in, once again, one of those like hushed tone moments, but it was like more frenzied at Mm -hmm. the same time. Everybody's kind of quietly panicking and speculating about what the creature is, if it's dangerous, mm-hmm. or and all that kind of stuff. Because, I mean, it had to be at least a little dangerous, given the weird odor causing people to fall into a dream state, mm-hmm. as well as the fact that multiple people have shot it, and it didn't bleed or die like any known animal would. Right. 
after working through all the potential logical explanations that didn't seem to fit into the reports, that's when the overall tone of the town went from quietly whispering about the creature to more of a panicked Mm -hmm. fear of the unknown. During the daytime on October 2nd, multiple witnesses went to investigate the mines since the monster had been seen heading towards it the night before. Uh Uh-huh, okay. They saw nothing, but they did hear some extremely scary and strange noises emanating from deep within the cave. One witness report said that the sounds were, quote, as though Satan and a regiment of imps were coming forth for a battle, end quote. Oh my gosh. So the way that the report sounded was like there was one really deep voice making mm -hmm. some kind of vocalization with a whole slew of lighter but equally as unsettling voices at the same time coming from like way deep in the mind. That is a description if I've ever heard one. It is. is Well, and just to get a visual of the mine uh, as it was at that time, there's the entrance of it, which is kind of Mm cave-like, and then it drops off. And the drop-off is like over a hundred feet deep yeah. and it's like wow. straight down yeah. and pitch black. Nobody can see anything, which is why workers were wanting, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Up, upgraded safety standards. Right. right. <laughs> but that's where the sounds were coming from, from a literal hundred foot hole in the ground. Mm. So, okay. Very Yikes. creepy. Yes. So night approached once again and everyone wondered if they would be the one to see the monster next. And if they'd be as lucky as the other witnesses and would escape with their lives. People sat in their homes looking out of their windows in case the creature was nearby or locking and double locking every single door and window in their homes and hiding out. People were scared. To top it all off, a thunderstorm rolled into town and people anticipated to see the silhouette of the beast illuminated by every crack of lightning. Late into the night, the whole thing would come to a crescendo. Hmm. In the early morning hours of October 3rd, right around 1 a.m., just like all the previous sightings, A man by the name of J.L. Plant was awake and working at the tile and brick factory near the mines when suddenly the sound of light drizzle outside was interrupted by a muted chorus of monsters. What? The sound steadily (laughs) grew in volume and in frequency. And so Platt ran outside to see if he could catch a glimpse of the creature or apparently creatures. At first, he saw nothing, despite the light from the moon brightening up the dark night. He approached the edge of the mine shaft and the sounds picked up even more in intensity when suddenly out came the monster and close behind it came a smaller version of the same creature. Oh my gosh. So there's at least two. As they reached a stop, the monsters both suddenly let out a bright flash of light right before flying off, leaving that distinctive smell behind. Mm -hmm. Platt wasn't alone at the brick factory. And so a whole slew of other men came out and with the confirmation of where these creatures were hiding out, with a, and, you know, with a rough idea yeah. that they'd probably not fly too far away from their lair, these men decided to prepare for battle. Wow. This sounds... Oh, my gosh. This sounds made up, and this was totally in, like, newspapers and everything. Wow. So, it's crazy. Okay. yeah. So, even though it was the middle of the night, word still spread quickly through the town. Men, young and old, put on their rain boots and coats, grabbed their guns, and marched through the mud towards the mine, ready and eager to take down the monsters if they decided to return. Within one hour, the mine entrance was flooded with angry townspeople, sick of the terror inflicted by the monsters. As time passed and dawn approached with no sign of the creatures, the men were beginning to wonder if they would return at all, Hmm. when suddenly they spotted them. As they looked into the distant sky, 
there was the silhouette of a large, winged creature, followed closely by a second smaller one. As the silhouettes wow. grew closer and closer to the mine, the men drew their weapons, and once the monsters were within striking distance, they began to open fire, a barrage of bullets and gunshots piercing the early morning air. The intensity of the gunshots would later be described as, quote, a reception that would have sunk the Spanish fleet, end quote. <laughs> the rest of the town had to have been woken up by the sounds yes. of, like, wow. literal dozens upon dozens of yeah. simultaneous gunshots yeah. coming from the mine area. Bunch of fearful men just, like, screaming and shooting to, into yeah, the air. <laughs> fight for their property and, oh, mm -hmm. wow. Well, and they all saw the creatures get hit with more than one bullet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But despite being shot dozens of times, the monsters seemed totally unfazed. Jeez. And they just kind of casually flew over the crowd, letting out a guttural and horrifyingly piercing shriek as they passed. And of course, the terrible smell that had become a common identifier of the creatures followed. So the riled up, gun-toting riot of men outside of the mineshaft didn't stop the creatures from approaching the entrance and then casually diving down the 100-foot-deep long abandoned mineshaft engulfed by darkness as they made their plunge. Oh my goodness. That is crazy. <laughs> Nuts. I can't believe I've never heard of this until recently. Yeah, me neither. This feels like it should be like a staple right. report. Well, and like we said, for us, this is, so Van Meter, I'm trying, now I'm, I want to be more specific. So it's 20 minutes east of um, Des, Moines. Des Moines. Yeah. Okay, so it's like three hours from here. A little bit Something more. Something like that, more yeah. That. Three hours, three and a half hours, which is, Close enough to be like something you would think we would have heard of by now. I know. <laughs> I'm like a so little crazy. surprised. Yeah. So wow. the crowd of townspeople were stunned silent. As the adrenaline from their quest to end the monsters began to fade away, that intense, excited fury morphed into deeply unsettled fear. Yeah. These things apparently couldn't be killed, and they <laughs> appeared to have made a home in the mines. What were they? What did they want? Jeez. The silent mob just kind of slowly dispersed without so much as a word spoken by a single member of the group. As the morning hours ticked on, a quiet tension settled over Van Meter. People had work to do and things to tend to, and so they all set off and did their best to focus on their work. People discussed what they should do next. Should they destroy the mine? Should they use the daylight hours to barricade it off and mm -hmm. trap the creatures inside? Yes, that would be the correct thing to do. So from what <laughs> I could find, opinion. the townspeople could not come up with a solution that everyone agreed upon. And frustratingly, there's no follow-up record on what they did next or if the Van Meter visitor or visitors were ever seen again. What? Which is feels like a really unfair 120-year cliffhanger. Yes. I'm a little grumpy about. Oh, my goodness. So the man who had written all of the articles about the creature never wrote an update after explaining like what had happened with the mob at the mines mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that they were working on a solution. That's it. So we're left wondering what happened to the creatures or if they've been seen since. And it's easy to assume that the creatures could still be down there. Uh, yeah. If they're yeah. immune to gunshots, then maybe they're also immune to the passage of time. And so there they sit waiting in the mine until they find a chance to escape their dark prison and wreak havoc once again. Oh my god. Just saying. Maybe the conclusion of the stories of the Van Meter visitor, maybe it was too much for the public to hear about. And so any discussion after that final article was forbidden to be put in print. Oh my. Yeah. But nobody really knows one way or the other. And so as for the creatures themselves, all we have to work with 
is theories. Mm-hmm. Tell so let's the talk theories. theories. Oh, let's get to the theories. This is always your favorite. This is my favorite. All right. I so. actually, I never do this. I have already written down a couple of notes of my own oh theories. Oh my gosh. But I want to know what your theories are. I want to know what the official theories are, and then I'll throw mine if there's anything anything worthwhile. Yeah, totally. Okay, so I think it's important to start with establishing an understanding of what like the context of this particular time and place was like. Mm-hmm. Van Meter has no written record of what the general beliefs were of the townspeople at the time, but given the fact that the town was established by at least somewhat recent immigrants to the United States, it's safe to say that it's highly probable that most, if not many of them, had long-standing deep-rooted beliefs from the old country kind of tucked away mm-hmm. in their minds. Yeah. Depending on where they immigrated from, they likely brought over tales of sirens and werewolves, vampires, banshees, fairies, yeah. ghosts, yeah. you know, the list totally. kind of goes on. So before Van Meter was established, Native Americans also had their own long-standing traditions and beliefs and practices with deeply planted roots of their own. Mm-hmm. So it's safe to assume that the idea of a monster wouldn't have been as crazy of an idea sure. to many yeah. of them yeah. Uh, if they hadn't had some overall belief in like the supernatural or the unknown yeah. to an extent. Does that make sense? For sure. Yes, that makes okay. perfect sense. Like, try not to be convoluted about it. And what I wrote is very convoluted. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so looking at other stories in the area in the years surrounding the appearance of the Van Meter visitor, we can see all kinds of tales of the unusual and the paranormal. Countless reports of unidentified lights in the sky and in the woods were pouring in at this time. Reports out of Dubuque, Iowa, tell stories of inmates at a local prison who were fully convinced that the jail was haunted and that the Hmm. ghost was actively seeking them out for some nefarious reason. There are also reports of a spirit who flashed light at workers on a railroad in Waterloo, Iowa. Hmm. Yeah, wow. And more stories of a female apparition who would appear in pastures in Corwith, Iowa, who had seemed to make it, she kind of made it her mission to just scare the daylights out of the farmers <laughs> as they tried to tend to their livestock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and even in the Raccoon River that passed along Van Meter, locals reported a Loch Ness-like creature in the river. Wow. One fisherman described, quote, a terrible commotion in the water. Whatever it was was moving quite rapidly through the water and quite close to the top and had the appearance of being as large as an overturned skiff, end quote. Whew. Another fisherman described a long-necked monstrosity that had a tail like a fish, but a hard-shelled body like a turtle. When he hooked the creature, he said that it used large flippers to propel its eight-foot-long body forward and away from him. <laughs> what? A father and son outfishing the Raccoon River also saw the creature. They said that they'd heard a huge splash and saw a creature that they believed at first was an alligator. When they got a better look, they saw a monstrous creature with, they called it a ripped shell body and a long tail. Hmm. It had a long neck and long protruding teeth. And they said that it looked like a cross between a giant turtle and a seal in shape. Hmm. So very strange. Yes, that is very strange. I'm, I'm, it's even hard to like picture that, but Mm -hmm. wow. Okay. Basically. Nessie with a shell. Yeah. Is what I'm getting. <laughs> yeah. A Pokemon, really. <laughs> We're describing a Pokemon living in a shallow river. So one of my favorites of the other stories from the area is the story of Terror Bridge near Fort Dodge. Oh, wow. Terror Bridge. In the late 1800s, there were countless eyewitness stories of ghosts that haunted the Terror Bridge, 
so much so that ghost hunters would travel to Terror Bridge to investigate. More notable than the ghost stories were the sightings of a wild man. Mm. In a heavily wooded area near Terror Bridge, people reported seeing a humanoid creature. It was described as being a massive bipedal creature that ran at extremely fast speeds on its hind legs. Oh my gosh. It's described as being the size of a bear covered with thick matted fur and a long pointed muzzle, much like the legend of the werewolf. Yes. Oh, wow. So (laughs) let's just assume that people are giving fully accurate reports about these kinds of things. They're being honest of what they, they Mm -hmm. see. Yeah. Yes. And if they're familiar, I don't know if there are bears in Iowa. Do you know if there are bears in Iowa? Uh, Probably maybe so in Northern Iowa, I would think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But let's just assume that they were accurate and these are unknown species. Given that information, would it be totally impossible that some kind of unknown creature could exist out there somewhere? Of course. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. So many people believe that this thing that's being described as like a dinosaur type deal could 100% mm. exist. At the same time, science as we know it today was in its infancy. In 1902, the year before the visitor arrived in Van Meter, there were a ton of reports about a new species of gorilla that had been discovered. Hmm. And so the idea that a large unknown species like a gorilla had remained hidden up until that point really lends credence to the fact that many other large species of animals could still be undetected, just waiting to be discovered. Yeah. So could the creature have been an unknown species that we just maybe haven't found yet? A species that remains in dark, unexplored mines and caves, only emerging under the cover of night in remote areas of the world? Hmm. Possibly. Crazier things have happened. It's true. Scientists recently discovered 16 species of deep sea fish that absorb 99.9% of light, which <laughs> make them virtually invisible. So crazier things have yeah. happened. Wow. Like nuts, you guys got to look those things up. Some some under ocean creatures are just absolutely otherworldly. And to think that there can't be creatures like that above water, I think is a little bit silly. Like, there's got to be things that just totally do crazy things like that. that We We discover new things every single year. Yeah. Like, what is it? Like something like 30 new species of frogs are discovered every year or something insane like that? Yeah. Like, just saying, frogs are tiny and this thing sounds like it was huge, but just saying. And also, one of them sounds very fast and the other one sounds like it puts you in a dreamlike state or maybe you don't Mm -hmm. even, you're you're in like a stasis that you're uncertain of what else is happening around you. There's just a lot, there's a lot going on. Okay. Yeah. So, theory one Mm -hmm. is that it's some unidentified, but totally normal earth creature. Yeah. Um, The second, and I know of a certain dear friend and listener who's going to be rolling her eyes when I say this. (laughs) If you listen to our Mothman episode. I actually wrote Mothman. That was was like (laughs) Mothman question mark. Uh You know that one of the theories there was that it was a misidentification. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people believe that if reports are to be believed that maybe it was a misidentification of any number of very large species of bird. Yeah, yeah. And that just given the given the weird circumstances surrounding this particular sighting. Yeah. Everybody freaked out. Sure. You know, they they just a lot of people to all misidentify 
well, creature. Well, the smell is something that I would question on that. Yeah. And the light. Yeah. The, the fact that it seemed to have a horn protruding from its head, that that's where the light was coming from. Like, I would understand if it had like a flat face. Maybe it was just light refracting off of like yeah. the inner workings of the eye. Sure. But, but I do. It doesn't seem like that's what happened. But also the book I read compared castings from that, that the guy had taken mm-hmm. of the oh, footprints yeah. to other known species of bird and they, they didn't match anything. Mm. So I feel Ooh. like that one, if it's a bird, then it's an unknown bird. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very strange bird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. So, and it's also very much in the same vein of, of what we talked about in Mothman. Yeah. Was that these large birds would have been at least vaguely familiar to the people in Van Meter. And so the idea that everyone who saw it, sometimes even in groups, would have such a panicked reaction to something that they'd seen before. Right. Takes a little wind out of that theory for me. Sure. Yeah. So the next theory is that this was an elaborate hoax. That someone Ooh. either <laughs> I've got to I've got to state the main theories. Sure, 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 sure. So that someone either wanting to pull a prank or commit a robbery with a site of terrorism had made some sort of costume on stilts and attached a headlamp to their head and had a little fun scaring the people around Van Meter. <laughs> Nobody ever came forward and confessed to this, but many people believe it's possible. I'm gonna go ahead and say I don't believe that at all. Because I, even though people can lie about their gun, like the gun incidents, mm-hmm. like everybody said that almost all of their bullets landed. Yeah. Giving room for people to exaggerate or to not actually know if they hit it or not. There's no way that not one single bullet right. hit it. <laughs> right. With how many times it was shot at. Totally. So. Well, and there's, there, there, there's too many, um, there are too many like superhuman elements right. to this creature mm-hmm. to be able to fly and to also be so tough that bullets don't affect it and that it has an ability to shine a light with seems pretty like uh, significantly uh, accurate precision. Well, and one one point that was made a lot in the book that I read was that they described this light as brighter than any light they'd ever seen. Yeah. Like what kind of light bulb could make that kind of light? Yeah. Like none of them could figure that out. That's crazy. And the smell. Yeah. And the fact that it was sitting on a telephone pole and climbed down with a beak. Yeah. Or it's horn. Or it's horn. Yeah, that's true. But either way, like that's, yeah, that's gotta be a pretty impressive flatulence if it's going to give you, put you in a dreamlike state. And multiple so. people in like a pretty wide distance too, away from it. Yeah. So yeah, that one. It just seems. Is it possible? Yeah, of course it is. It's a very elaborate. But post. that almost feels like we're reaching more to be like, oh, it was totally a hoax. Yeah. You then know, to, than to say maybe to it's, say it's an a, unknown species right, or exactly. that's, an that's actual how I feel about it. monster. Yeah. There's also the, the people who made the point that maybe the townspeople made it all up, but it just, why they were like trying to build and like maintain their businesses. These are busy people that are working to move to Van Meter to enhance the community. Yeah. Right. Well, Mm. and there were actually people that were mad about the news articles that were being written because they were worried 
that it was going to deter people from coming and helping them build their community that they were really proud of. So it just doesn't seem like somebody would make that up. Yeah. That 50 people, 100 Mm -hmm. people would Mm -hmm. make that up. So just saying. Yeah. So we do need to consider that this could be a case of mass hysteria. After the first report from Ulysses Griffiths came in, a report from someone loved and respected by virtually every single person in Van Meter Mm -hmm. that what if people began experiencing shared delusions of a giant monster bent on terrorizing the town before they disappeared quietly into the mines? Yeah. So I don't know totally how I feel about that. Mass hysteria. Shared delusion (sighs) can really, really, it's a powerful thing. Yeah. It is a very powerful thing. And if you get, the description from one person, mm-hmm. especially somebody that you trust, like your doctor who's ta- who's taking care of you since you were yeah, born, yeah. takes care of your neighbors and all your friends, and they give a description. It's I think it's easy to lock those descriptions away in our subconscious, mm-hmm. and they only come out later when everybody's in like a frenzy. Yeah. So that that makes more sense to me than than it being a hoax. Yes, I agree. I agree. But I still always want to be like. I don't know. I always want to be sensitive. Yeah. Well, and you and I have said before, uh, there's a degree of um, suspending disbelief Mm -hmm. because you want to believe that people are being honest Mm -hmm. and that they're not just all having delusions. Mm -hmm. Of course. (laughs) That that they are actually seeing what they're seeing, even if they maybe are misunderstanding it, that they are seeing something. Because for it to be mass hysteria and delusion would be a, that's pretty significant like mm-hmm. like confusion. Well yeah, and like that last hurrah with dozens of men who all swore they saw the same thing at the yeah. same time. Yeah. I am a little skeptical, but like crazier delusions have happened. Yeah. And so like what if, you know, right after that first gunshot rang out, could the rest of the mob just, you know, have blindly started shooting into the air even though there was nothing there? Like sure. And could the smell be explained by something like a dead animal in the alley near the store where Sydney and Otto had like their sighting? Like, sure. But I feel so like I feel like this one is possible, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't fully fit. And this is how these stories go. Right. right. It's like none of the theories fully fit. Right. So interestingly, the tile building near the mines still kind of stands in ruins today. It's not operational, obviously, but it's still there and it has some more strange stories attached to it. Wow. There are tales of brick throwing entities where people will be Mm. there like trying to like scope it out because they've heard creepy things about it. Yeah. And there will be, they'll hear bricks hitting bricks and it's like clearly they're being thrown and there's nothing there. Oh my God. Which is super creepy. That is creepy. There are also. Also a brick. Flying through the sky, and you're like, "Where'd that come from?" You I know. know. Like, would protect be... your head, guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's also sounds of the long destroyed machinery clicking and clacking through the night so loudly that it can be heard like in town. Ooh. Most notably to me are the reports of sounds of horrifying animalistic shrieks, almost like screams, that don't belong to a known species like a fox or a rabbit. Some people have described them as whales. What? Like pained, like pained whales in the middle of the night. So in the brickyard close by, there are stories of mysterious lights 
seen floating in and above the brickyard and the area where the mine once stood. Wow. In 2008, a group of friends reported uh, on visiting in Van Meter. That is very recent. Wow. 2008. Okay. Yep. So they yep. went there to go check it out. Yeah. When they got to the brickyard, several members of the group felt as though something grabbed them. When they looked at the people who felt the grabbing sensation and kind of like looked them over, mm-hmm. there were a series of bruises and burns on their skin where they had felt the sensation of being grabbed. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. So maybe there's some kind of weird mm-hmm. spiritual thing. Yeah. In the that's, area, some weird energy. Yeah, that's or, kind of the the um, <laughs> this, is, this is maybe kind of funny too, but like the Ghost Adventures, Zach mm-hmm, Zach mm-hmm. Bagans thing, Bagans, Bagans, whatever says last Bagans. name is. Um, <laughs> this is the pecan pecan debate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but like you know, they they like obviously hype it up a little bit, right? But they feel a scratch, and then they have like three scratches on their arms mm. that are very odd and deep, and it's like. Oh, that's, it's kind of like that yeah. is what it sounds like, which is. Yeah. And I mean, these were anonymous reports. And so sure, could they sure, have sure. been making it up? Right. Maybe, but I also At am always. of ghost adventures. So. I'm also <laughs> always way more moved by an anonymous post. Yeah. Than I am by somebody who might, or like somebody who's like, please don't use my name. Yeah. Because I feel like you're, you're actively trying, if I'm assuming the best. Mm-hmm. You're actively trying to prevent your name from being attached to it. Right. I don't think you want attention. I don't think you're making a money grab. Right. It seems like you're just telling people what you experienced and that's it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Ooh. So, this is the final-ish theory. And this is my favorite only because it's the most fun. And it's that the Van Meter visitor is ultra-terrestrial. Ultra-terrestrial. Yes. Okay, so in John Keel's book, The Mothman Prophecies, he talks about ultra-terrestrials. Keel posits that events that can't be rightly described or explained by science or by the standard extraterrestrial theories, ones that still bind creatures from outer space to the physics of Earth, that they could potentially be described as ultra-terrestrial. Okay. So to put it simply, ultra-terrestrials could be described as beings and or forces which coexist with us, but are on another time frame. So they aren't bound by time and physics the way that we are. Sure, yeah. And that sometimes these beings and forces cross into our observable reality. Yeah. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time getting into the weeds of this because I feel like that explanation does sum up the idea pretty well. Yeah. But the overall theory is that a being from a different plane of reality, the Van Meter Visitor, Mm -hmm. crossed over into our reality, either through... A portal, like maybe one found deep in the mines or heavy yep. forests of Van Meter, as it was back then, or through some kind of glitch in space-time. Yeah. This being stayed in our reality for a short time before either being blocked off in the mines and trapped there forever, or before heading back to its own reality. Hmm. If we follow this logic, could the Van Meter visitors have had some similarities to the Mothman? Were they winged messengers warning the Van Meter residents of an impending disaster? The abandoned mines could have produced gases that had laid dormant for long stretches of time. And those gases actually can erupt, even with a tiny spark, into such a massive explosion that a natural disaster could occur in that way. Yeah. So maybe 
Maybe they were Maybe. warning the people of Van Meter, just like Mothman. Wow, yeah. People who believe this theory believe that creatures like Mothman and the Van Meter visitors are ultra-terrestrials with all kinds of purposes for crossing in and out of different realities. What if the Van Meter visitors were trying to lure people to the mines so they could close them off before the disaster could take place? Mm. So we'll never know. I mean, we'll never know, yeah. most yeah. likely. Right. The Van Meter visitor has remained a fixture in the Van Meter community. And though we will likely never have any answers as to who or what these creatures were, what they wanted, or if they were ever even there to begin with, I feel pretty strongly that the story of this little-known creature should be a fixture in the cryptozoology community, despite the little information that we have. Hmm, So before I close, additional theories, what you got? Well, okay. So my very first theory, like I said, Mothman, question mark. (laughs) Mothman? Makes me wonder if... And you already kind of addressed this, but I'm just going to go a little bit deeper into that thought. Do it. If there are variants of the Mothman, Mm. different kinds of species of Mothman, Mm -hmm. and this would be one of those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, People said that Mothman's eyes glowed red. Yeah, exactly. My other thought, because there's a strong Native American uh, history, Mm -hmm. is uh, Skinwalker. Mm. doesn't seem as likely the further you got into the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think there's still some room for that. And there's, I don't know. I don't know if there are skinwalkers in the lore of the Sacker Fox tribes. Sure. Okay. But an but enemy may, tribe, you right. never know. Like well, that's, but even, even if there's just like a different kind of, sure. Sure. Of lore. shapeshifter kind yeah, of thing. Something like that. Yeah. Or just another creature that, has the same kind of intent or starts as a, as a, a, a warlock or whatever it mm. is. Um, kind of graduates into more physically yeah. powerful feats. Yeah. So th- those are, those are my, my initial two guts. And I literally wrote those down within the first 10 minutes of talking about this. Yeah. Made me kind of curious and interested, but yeah. then, um, the last one that came to my mind, and I, I didn't write this down. Um, so I'm winging it, winging it a little bit. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> um, but the last thought actually circles back to um, the story that we talked about with uh, the portals in what was that? Black place? Forest. Yeah. And Black yeah, Forest. That's what I was thinking. Right. Where there's just like some menacing force around all this. Yeah. That is just like, like just this is this is my area not yours so well and what you said about the mines earlier when you had that thought mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that when you said that my mind instantly went to the vortex portal thingy in black forest yeah immediately went to that and i was like oh snap yeah there yeah. could just be it's highly possible it's such a mysterious thing mm-hmm. and it's so strange that this highly lucrative business just decided we're, yeah. we're not going to use all of the very much money we're making from yeah. from mines right. to upgrade a couple, to add some lights going yeah. down the 100-foot pole <laughs> and some like sturdier rope. Right. They couldn't do that or pay workers a little bit more, but they could afford to close it. Yeah, that's That bonkers. is the thing that is the craziest to me. Yeah. So that you had your suspicious glasses on mm-hmm. where I didn't. And I'm glad that you did. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, 
I think there's something too to be said about the whole kind of metaphysical mm-hmm. side of things where there's creatures that exist in different planes of reality mm-hmm. and different dimensions that we can't see and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That is very fascinating to me personally. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's, I'm sure to a lot of people, a very silly thing to like pose, but like, let's just entertain it. Let's just right. work it out. Right. Well, and it, the thing is you can go so far down one road where it's religious and spiritual. You can also go down, go down these, this other road of like string theory. Like mm-hmm. you can cover a pretty wide gamut by just exploring that option. <laughs> it just uh, made me think of the good place where Michael's like, everybody got about 5% right. <laughs> 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 and also in that same same uh, show, oh yes, the time knife. You know, <laughs> we've all seen it. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I totally interrupted. That's you. okay. That's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. There's a lot of theory that goes into a crazy story like this, and I could probably keep on going and going and going. But um, at the end of the day, it seems like. Any explanation of this is going to be just not fully sufficient mm-hmm. unless you're just willing to say that there are things we don't understand. That is fair. I also just had the thought of, you know, I was just talking about the deep sea creatures that absorb mm-hmm. light. Um, thinking about how certain species of deep sea creatures have evolved over the years to be like bioluminescent or to have mm-hmm. lights. You know, I think of like the angler fish with the light that literally protrudes out of its head that it uses as bait. Yeah, yeah. You I thought about the anglerfish like too it, when you were tell, telling it that story. It can actively, yeah. yeah, it can actively control the light and move it around and mm-hmm. make it do what it wants to do. If there's a species living, I don't know if you've ever seen the maps of the cave systems, the known cave systems in the United States, Mm-mm. but they're nuts. Oh, wow. I mean, under us at almost any location in the United States is an insane amount of caves. They are everywhere and they... I mean, miles and miles and miles. Yeah. Can't, can't even hardly fathom how right. huge they are. And Probably so, and could never, could never search all of them. Right. And mm. make it out to tell the tale, you know? <laughs> right. And so is it that insane, given the existence of things like anglerfish and like Volta black deep sea monsters? <laughs> yeah. Those are known species that are so absurd, but are totally real. Yeah. Would it be that crazy to say that some reptilian thing, some species, weird species of bird, Mm -hmm. some winged mammal of some kind exists underground and has evolved over time to have a light. I don't think that's unreasonable I don't think that's that crazy. Well, and to to kind of bring this maybe to a home a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, Iowa, for those of us, well, not us, but for those who are listening and who have no idea where that even is, Iowa is not known for its uh, thick woodlands, but it does have it. And right. there's plenty of land and space where things could just exist, totally undetected. Mm-hmm. Um, and to the north of it, with Minnesota, there's tons of wooded areas up there. Mm-hmm. And to the south of it, in Missouri, tons of wooded areas down there. Right. Like, it's it, it, Iowa and Nebraska and kind of those of us that live in flyover states kind of get a lot of crap for being Mm. like just barren wastelands. Mm. Mm. Uh, But there's actually a lot of space and a lot of wilderness for things to exist. Yeah. Well, 
sidebar before I forget, because I have ADHD brain. Yes. What if it was a species that was never discovered, but went extinct before we could discover it? Oh, mm-hmm. now there's something. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. Just saying. That Keep going. Thought. Please. No, I just didn't want to forget that. That is, well, that, that's the thing is just to say there's a lot of land, even though there's probably not much land that hasn't at least been looked through at some point, there's still a lot of land that's not really inhabited and uh, plenty of space for things to hide mm-hmm. and live totally, you know, un uh, unhindered. Yeah. Other than the occasion that they come out of a cave and go flying around mm-hmm. and cause chaos 120 years ago. Yeah. So. You never know. Those are my thoughts too. Those are really great thoughts. So let's land the plane here. Let's do it. For today's story, I got most of my information from a book called The Van Meter Visitor, A True and Mysterious Encounter with the Unknown by Chad Lewis, Kevin Lee Nelson, and Noah Voss. So they did a huge deep dive into this story, and they gave a ton of super in-depth information behind the story itself, as well as behind the various theories. And I highly recommend it if you enjoyed even a little bit of today's story. Hmm. It's super interesting. So if you have an opinion or an extra theory that you want to throw our way, definitely reach out on the socials. But for now, that is what I have for you. Wow. What a weird story, right? That is a weird story. It's a great story. And, I had fun with that one. Uh, yes. As, nobody as got you hurt. well know, that's true too. Yeah. As you well know, the cryptid stories are personally my favorites. I really? always enjoy the cryptid yeah. stories and the things that, because I've never heard any about these things. I, th- these are always new to me. Mm-hmm. Like, unless you go something really uh, mainstream, like aliens and Bigfoot, I usually don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and even those things, I've come to find out, uh, I have been told the very, very baseline information about those things. So <laughs> there's a lot more where that came from and it's always fun for me. So I hope Good. it's fun for our listeners too. I honestly, there's so much, we do so much true crime and like even things that don't end in, in death or things that are like that heavy, mm-hmm. like um, the bleeding house, nobody really got hurt, but there's still something heavy about it. Yeah. That I think doing things like this, even if, even if it's a little ridiculous, like, even if I sound totally like <laughs> off my rocker by sharing this story and like with a straight face laying out all these theories, I think it's just good for like my soul yeah. to like tell a really interesting story about something unknown. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, there's like a lightheartedness to these kinds of stories that I think is really fun. Yeah, I think so too. Well, for our listeners, thank you for tuning in and listening to the unusual, unsettling, and unsavory story today. This one just lives in the unusual for me. Same. The other ones, not not as much. Yeah. There, but not not as much. Mm-hmm. If you also enjoyed this episode, please make sure that you're following us on social media at this one is a doozy on TikTok and Instagram. And you can leave a comment on any of these posts and also on Facebook, this one's a doozy podcast as well. Leave a comment. Let us know your thoughts on this episode. Make sure you're also subscribed on your favorite listening platform and that you've left a glowing five-star review. Those reviews help other uh, podcast listeners to find this podcast. And you can also connect with us over on uh, email at this one is a doozy at gmail.com and over on Patreon. My love, why don't you share with them how and why they should get on Patreon? Yes. So if you follow the link in our Instagram bio or in our Facebook about section, or if you go to patreon.com slash doozy pod, you can find our page 
And for $5 a month, you get access to ad-free content, as well as two bonus episodes a month and polls where you can vote on episode topics and our monthly charity that we'll be giving to. And we will, on Thursday, be putting those uh, charities up for March. And so if you're interested in deciding where our money goes, what which organization you want us to support, then head on over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, with that, everybody, we will see you later this week for another doozy. Thank you. Bye.